1: On today's program, you will hear stories from Dr. Jill Robbins. She has a new episode of Ask a Teacher. We close our show with another American story. But first, it has been almost six and a half years since the American music group Pearl Jam released an album. That changed Friday when the band dropped its 11th collection, Gigaton. Many dictionaries define the word as an explosive force equal to 1 billion tons of TNT, an industrial explosive. Critics have noted that this new album includes hard rock. Reviews are filled with words like fury, thunder, and hammering. Entertainment Weekly calls the music a gathering storm of guitars. In other words, there is some loud and wild music on Gigaton, but most reviews agree that Pearl Jam continued to experiment with less traditional rock and roll sounds on the album. One of the new songs, Superblood Wolfmoon, has elements of danceable punk rock music of the early 1980s. But back to the name of the album. Gigaton can also mean the weight or mass equal to one billion tons. The word is most often used these days in stories related to climate science and environmental destruction. In fact, former U.S. President Barack Obama famously defined the word during a 2015 speech about climate change in Alaska and the Arctic. He discussed the huge yearly loss of ice from Alaska's glaciers. 75 gigatons, that's 75 billion tons of ice each year, he said. Obama compared the amount to the size of the National Mall in Washington, D.C., as if it were a solid block that stood almost 700 meters tall. Now imagine 75 of those ice blocks. That's what Alaska's glaciers alone lose each year. And climate change issues are at the heart of Pearl Jam's gigaton. The album picture shows ice falls in Svalbard, Norway. Svalbard is one of the northernmost human settlements in the world. Some climate scientists say it is warming faster than any other place. Pearl Jam has been active in environmental causes for most of its 30-year existence. The band and its members have won honors for raising money, climate change educational efforts, and more. They also invest money in environmental health projects to reduce the group's carbon footprint. Pearl Jam was entered into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017. Lead singer Eddie Vedder's opening comments were about the environment. So, climate change is real, he said. And we, we cannot, cannot be the generation that history will look back upon and wonder why didn't they do everything humanly possible to solve this biggest of crises in our time. Gigaton makes a similar appeal to listeners in every song. As Vedder sings in the song Quick Escape, And we think about the old days, of green grass, sky, and red wine, should have known so fragile, and avoided this one-way flight."
2: When Dominic Benhuda started creating traditional Zimbabwean sculptures as a young man 40 years ago, he never thought it would make him famous and rich. He was born into a family of poor farmers in 1968. He grew up in Murewa, 90 kilometers northeast of Harare. Today, He is now an internationally recognized artist and a leading master of sculpting stone, a hard substance that comes from the ground and is used for building and carving. Sculptors from Zimbabwe's Shona Ethnic Group use basic tools to carve expressive art into heavy pieces of stone. Some weigh several tons. The art form goes back to ancient Great Zimbabwe, founded in the 11th century. Shona sculpture can be seen at New York's Museum of Modern Art, Chicago's Field Museum of Natural History, the Indianapolis Museum of Art, as well as the British Museum. Penhuda learned the art from other sculptors after moving to the capital Harare, in 1979, one year before Zimbabwe won independence from Britain. I was so fascinated by people creating something out of stone, so I asked them if I could help them finishing their work, he told Reuters reporters. In time, Ben found his own special way of sculpting. He creates sculptures that appear to have motion. My art celebrates life, and I am inspired by my day-to-day life. I do animals, I do plants, I do birds, he said. He also sculpts women and children. He said he is especially drawn to them as subjects because he was raised by his mother and aunt. His father died before he was born. Penhura's work brought him out of poverty. It has given him a life he describes as blessed. When he was 23, he bought his first house in Harare. He now lives and works in one of the capital city's costlier neighborhoods. Penhura has permanent displays of his work around the world, including Australia, Italy, and several museums in the United States. But he wishes his home country had more of the sculptures for the public to see. He said Zimbabwe simply does not have enough museums to keep the art. I wish we'd have more museums so that our work is also retained in Africa for future generations, Ben Huda said. I'm Jill Robbins.
0: Yazan is a one-year-old heart disease patient in Libya. He was born with only one of the usual four chambers or main parts of the human heart. His heart pumped so little blood that when Yazan cried, his skin would turn black. He required an operation to survive but Libya only has one doctor that does such operations on young children. About 1,200 babies with heart defects are born in Libya every year. Usually, about 150 of them are in urgent need of heart operations. Most do not get them, and they die in their first year said William Novik, a children's heart doctor from the United States. To me, this is simply an unacceptable situation that needs our attention, said Novik. Novik leads an international team of experts called the Novik Cardiac Alliance. They travel to Libya often to perform operations on patients like Yazan. Libya has been in major disorder since 2011, when opposition forces ousted longtime leader Muammar Gaddafi. Armed conflict continues in the country, with foreign countries supporting opposing armed groups. The latest fighting began last spring and has killed hundreds of civilians. The conflict also has severely affected health care in the country. The World Health Organization describes the Libyan healthcare care system as overworked, unproductive, and lacking in medicine and equipment. Novik's team was the best and perhaps last hope for Yazan. For treatment, however, the boy and his family had to travel to the most dangerous place in Libya, its capital, Tripoli. Last month, Yazan and his family arrived in the city after a 1,500-kilometer trip from their home in the desert. On February 26, Yazan had a five-hour operation to begin repair on his heart. It went well. Although Yazan will need one more operation, Novik and his team expect him to fully recover. Novik's group has treated 1,000 children in Libya since it began treatments there in 2012. But his cardiac alliance was born much earlier. Novick was a medical student at the University of Alabama when he first witnessed the suffering of children born with heart disease. He also learned about the problems families experience trying to get care for their children. He decided then to work to help children with heart problems no matter where they are born. For nearly 30 years, Novik and his partners have made hundreds of trips to 32 countries, including Ukraine, Nigeria, Iraq, Iran, and Colombia. For the February visit to Libya, Novik's team included 20 volunteer doctors and nurses. The team performed 10 difficult open-heart operations in the country's west. The team worked in areas controlled by each of the two main armed groups. Novik said that a main goal of his group is to be apolitical and help the children. Novik's group also trains Libyan doctors and nurses to develop the country's health care system. He said, we're not going to be here forever. And we shouldn't be here forever. I'm Jonathan Evans.
2: This week, we answer a question from Young Ho in Korea. He writes, I really want to know the difference between affect and effect. Dear Young Ho, these are commonly confused words. Although they are spelled differently, they sound and look almost the same affect and effect. But the one letter difference makes a big difference. Let us start with effect, E-F-F-E-C-T. Effect can act as a noun or, in rare cases, a verb. As a noun, effect means a change that results when something happens. For example, the movie had a strong effect on my feelings. The use of internet sales had a good effect on our business. Another form of the word is the adjective effective. It means producing a result that is wanted. Medical experts, for example, tell us, hand washing is very effective in removing germs. Affect, A-F-F-E-C-T, is usually used as a verb. Affect means to influence, in other words, Affect means to act on or change someone or something. For example, she has back problems that affect her balance, so she has trouble walking. Remember our earlier example about the movie having an effect on one's feelings? We could also say, the movie affected me greatly. In this case, Affect means to cause strong emotions. If you are still confused, just remember this. Effect is usually a noun, and affect is usually a verb. And that's Ask a Teacher. I'm Jill Robbins.
0: THE BLUE HOTEL, PART THREE
3: THE MEN PREPARED TO GO OUT. THE EASTERNER WAS SO NERVOUS THAT HE HAD GREAT DIFFICULTY PUTTING ON HIS NEW LEATHER COAT. AS THE COWBOY PULLED HIS FUR CAP DOWN OVER HIS EARS, HIS HANDS TREMBLED. In fact, Johnny and old Scully were the only ones who displayed no emotion. No words were spoken during these proceedings. Scully threw open the door. Instantly, a wild wind caused the flame of the lamp to struggle for its life. The men lowered their heads and pushed out into the cold. No snow was falling, but great clouds of it swept up from the ground by the fierce winds were streaming all around. The covered land was a deep blue, and there was no other color except one light shining from the low, black railroad station. It looked like a tiny jewel. The Swede was calling out something. Scully went to him, put a hand on his shoulder, and indicated an ear.
0: What did you say? I said,
3: screamed the Swede again. I won't have a chance
0: against this crowd. I know you'll all jump on me.
3: No, no, man, called Scully. But the wind tore the words from his lips and scattered them far. The Swedes shouted a curse, but the storm also seized the remainder of the sentence. The men turned their backs upon the wind and walked to the shelter side of the hotel. Here, a V-shaped piece of icy grass had not been covered by the snow. When they reached the spot, it was heard that the Swede was still screaming. Oh,
0: I know what kind of a thing this is. I know you'll jump on me. I can't beat
3: you all. Scully turned on him angrily.
0: You won't have to beat all of us. You'll have to beat my son, Johnny. And the man that troubles you during that time will have to deal with me.
3: The arrangements were quickly made. The two men faced each other, obeying the short commands of Scully. The Easterner was already cold, and he was jumping up and down. The cowboys stood rock-like. The fighters had not removed any clothing. Their hands were ready, and they eyed each other in a calm way that had the elements of fierce cruelty in it. Now, said Scully. The two leaped forward and struck together like oxen. There was heard the dull sound of blows and of a curse pressed out between the tight teeth of one. (laughs) As for the watchers, the Easterners held in breath burst from him in relief, pure relief after the anxious waiting. The cowboy leaped into the air with a scream. Scully stood unmoving as if in complete surprise and fear at the fierceness of the fight, which he himself had permitted and arranged. For a time, the fight in the darkness was such a scene of flying arms that it showed no more detail than a moving wheel. Sometimes a face would shine out, frightful and marked with pink spots. A moment later, the men would be only shadows. Suddenly, the cowboy was caught by warlike desires, and he leaped forward with the speed of a wild horse.
0: Hit him, Johnny, hit him, kill him, kill him. Keep still,
3: said Scully, icily. Then there was a sudden loud sound, dull, incomplete, cut short. Johnny's body fell away from the Swede, with sickening heaviness to the grass. The cowboy hardly had time to prevent the mad Swede from throwing himself upon the fallen body. Scully was at his son's side.
0: Johnny! Johnny, my boy!
3: His voice had a quality of sad tenderness.
0: Johnny, can you fight some more?
3: he looked anxiously down into the bloody, beaten face of his son. There was a moment of silence, and then Johnny answered in his ordinary voice, Yes, I... it... yes. Helped by his father, he struggled to his feet.
0: Wait a minute now till you get your breath,
3: said the old man. A few steps away, The cowboy was telling the Swede.
0: No, you don't. Wait a second.
3: The Easterner was pulling at Scully's arm. Oh, this is enough, he begged. This is enough. Let it go as it is. This is enough. Bill, said Scully, get out of the way. The cowboy stepped aside. Now. The fighters advanced toward each other. Then the Swede aimed a lightning blow that carried with it his entire weight. Johnny, though faint from weakness, luckily stepped aside, and the unbalanced Swede fell to the ground. The cowboy, Scully, and the Easterner cheered. But before its finish, the Swede was up and attacking his enemy madly. There were more wildly moving arms, and Johnny's body again fell away like a stone. The Swede quickly struggled to a little tree and leaned upon it, breathing hard, while his fierce and flame-lit eyes wandered from face to face as the men bent over Johnny.
0: Can you still fight, Johnny?
3: Asked Scully in a voice of despair. After a moment, the son answered. No, I can't fight anymore. Then, from shame and bodily ill, he began to weep, the tears pouring down through the blood on his face. He was too too, too heavy for me. Scully straightened and spoke to the waiting figure. Stranger, he said calmly,
0: we're finished.
3: Then his voice changed into that deep and quiet tone, which is the tone of the most simple and deadly announcements.
0: Johnny is beaten.
3: Without replying, the winner moved away to the door of the hotel. The others raised Johnny from the ground and as soon as he was on his feet, he refused all attempts at help. When the group came around the corner, they were almost blinded by the blowing snow. It burned their faces like fire. The cowboy carried Johnny through the piles of snow to the door. Inside, they were greeted by a warm stove and women who took Johnny to the kitchen. The three others sat around the heat and the sad quiet was broken only by the sounds overhead when the Swede moved about in his room. Soon they heard him on the stairs. He threw the door open and walked straight to the middle of the room. No one looked at him. Well, he said loudly to Scully,
0: I suppose you'll tell me now how much I owe you.
3: The old man with a dull expression, remained calm.
0: You don't owe me anything. Mr. Scully,
3: called the Swede again,
0: how much do
3: I owe you? He was dressed to go, and he had his bag in his hand.
0: You don't owe me anything,
3: repeated Scully in the same unmoved way.
0: I guess you're right. I guess the truth would be that you would owe
3: me something. That's what I guess. He turned to the cowboy. Kill him! Kill him! Kill him! He repeated in the tone the cowboy had used. Then he laughed. But he might have been laughing at the dead. The three men did not move or speak, just stared with glassy eyes at the stove. The Swede opened the door and passed into the storm, giving one last glance at the still group.
0: And that's our program for today. Listen again tomorrow to learn English through stories from around the world. I'm Jonathan Evans.
1: And I'm Ashley Thompson. Join VOA Learning English teachers on Zoom each weekday at 12 o'clock UTC time for English lessons and conversation practice. For more information on the show, visit our website or Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at VOA Learning English.
0: B.O.